This is The Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching Dark Page. I'm Ben Velding, and I watched this episode when it originally aired. And I'm Smokescale Aquatus. You can just call me Smokey. I watched this episode uh, recently, just uh, about a week ago. I grew up with Star Trek The Next Generation. This is, hands down, my favorite version of Star Trek that exists. Uh, I'm not opposed to other Star Treks. It's just... I have really fond memories of this particular series, so I'm very happy to be able to do at least one episode on it. You ready? I'm ready. In three, two, one, engage. So uh, I think this is our last Luwaxana Troy episode in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, I believe so. I think, have we, yeah, yeah, we've already had the first Luwaxana episode in Deep Space Nine. So we've seen her before. I'm not... I do think it's interesting how they go out of their way to give her uh, a less, a less uh, vivacious, less ostentatious look, and then they actually comment on that later. They they, yeah. they just kind of let that sit with you for a bit first. Yeah, it is unusual, and I hate that Picard is so bored here. It's like this is the coolest thing ever. How are you not in this? I conversation? think it's because he's with her. That's the problem. She hasn't hit on him or sexually harassed him even once. Yeah. Is is it the tension? Is it the tension that's killing him? That's what I'm guessing. I still think it's interesting how she ignores what she's reading from him. Oh, there we go. Actually, and just she just plays on it. Yeah, there he goes. He takes off. No, no, I think she slapped his ass as he left. All right, there ah. we go. I think that was just a torture session. So Yeah. It's like, oh, I see. He's really anxious about the sexual harassment. And then, so he's trying to leave. And when he leaves, that's when I'm going to get him. Yeah. So, in approach. But We have uh, another example of, uh, oh, there she goes. Yeah. So initially I thought it was like a little bit of communication there, but it wasn't. It was just. Yeah, the, uh, the musical cue is what clues you in. Yeah. So, but uh, it's another yeah. example of aliens being people with just weird stuff on them. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's Star Trek. We roll with it. <laughs> right. It's yeah. You have to make them look visually interesting, so it's not just the same aliens every week. Um, but yeah, you can see a few little clues here that everybody kind of brushes off, but yeah. So we learn about our aliens, which have, they're very telepathic, but. <laughs> Riker being don't. all smug. Yeah, for a little bit. <laughs> there he goes. So, yeah. He's not happy. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a little bit. It's a nice 90s dress. Oh, yeah. Very 90s. So much of this show is pure 90s. Well, I mean, the back half of it is. Yeah. Yeah. We're fairly lucky to be in the 80s there. But speaking of sartorial choices, this is not the worst clothing I've seen in Star Trek on this dude. It actually kind of has a little bit of an appearance that reminds me of, like, later uniforms within that same era. Like, uh, during the the uh, the Dominion War, how the uniforms change. It's got a little bit of that going on. Yeah, it's got definite shoulder texturing with a, uh, that half-zip ability. Yeah. So, but and it's then nice she touch. zips off. <laughs> yeah. Leave the kids alone so they can talk. They cannot even speak, and she's trying to hook them up. 
Yeah, um, she, uh, really. I, I can't find the words drawing. for that. Yeah, it is some. It's a suicide run of hookups. Just it is. <laughs> just throwing a this guy at her like a zero. It's not. It's not exactly. Uh, the odds of success aren't high, but I guess she's desperate at no. this point. So, and this guy. Well, she's also she's she's. We learn later that she's uh, having difficulty, so she's not on her game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is the guy that played uh, Neural in the the two parter with the Romulans. He was like the little, the proconsul that they went to, and they thought he'd help. Yeah, and he, he that's betrayed why he looks familiar. Okay, so, he's been in a couple episodes of Star Trek. So. I love it when they can fold. Uh, fold actors back in as uh, different characters. That's really great. Like uh, Jeffrey Combs. I love that they kept using Jeffrey Combs throughout Trek. Yeah, he's got a lot of charm uh, in the roles in the roles he does are all pretty memorable. I haven't seen a lot yeah. of Enterprise. I, oh wait, no, I have specifically seen all of the Shran episodes of Enterprise. I had to do that he research. He's great for a as Shran. Yeah. yeah. And so he's very memorable. This guy's a little more of generic, handsome guy of a certain age. So. Yeah, but he, he plays it well. And he is. Uh, I said this. I said this earlier. He he does a really good job of putting forth the air of not being able to understand spoken language. He's 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 playing that performance really well. He 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 sells it really well. Yeah, this series, and I'm sure a lot of Trek series, kind of live and die on their guest stars. Well, DS Nine probably a little less, but. TNG. They had, I, I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. They had a fantastic main cast for DS9. Right, and it focuses more on them as characters. For TNG, yeah. where you're going somewhere new every week, you kind of need other people to to drive the outside thing that you're experiencing. Yeah. On, on the rare occasion, it's not an alien taking over a member of your crew. So, <laughs> yeah. So those guest stars need to be pretty on point. So I can see why when they find someone who can do good. They'll they'll rope them into being a different alien with with different makeup, and this guy does good. He's not he's not really driving our tension, which is a nice respite, but he he meets his needs. Yeah, I gotta say I really enjoyed the episode with is it Matt Frewer or Brewer, the the time traveler from the past, uh, claiming think, to be from the future. I believe it's Frewer. Okay. Uh, he, he was Dr. amazing. Rosenson. I love him. Oh yeah, he, he was great. He was great. Um, <laughs> so again, and he's a very memorable guest star to have. I and mean, he's, he's more in your mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs territory more than your, uh, Marquez territory. That that's this guy's name. So. Yeah. And here we get, uh, <laughs> we get to see a little more right? of, uh, yeah. They're, see, I, they're... I... Go ahead. They're communicating telepathically, and so Deanna has to tell her mom to stop it. And there's a random crew member who's like, uh, "Okay, what are you yelling and at he, this lady?" He's completely confused, but it's it's just a matter of uh, courtesy. But I just there's a commentary there about them how they communicate telepathically, specifically because they have to do it for the audience. It demonstrates sort of how they they view language and how they communicate that language through telepathy. Yeah, I think I, I think that's that's an interesting thing. Yeah, a little earlier, I believe Loxana said that even the Beta Zeds use language when they do telepathy, mm-hmm. and that that could mean a lot of things. But Deanna, 
only communicates with pure empathy. And that seems like it's not just a, a junior version of what full beta Zeds do, but like its own thing, which is interesting. Well, she is able to communicate telepathically with other beta Zeds, just yeah. she, she has to have that, that bridge. And, and Will Riker, as long as it's like an emotional thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the cast of How I Met Your Mother, just just depending on how close they are. So it's, <laughs> it's in the air. So. so it's good work with Major Barrett, where we have a completely different Loxana Troy episode than we've had before. It is. It's, it's so interesting to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's something up, and it's with Loxana, and... The alien of the week is not really our problem, not not in a conventional sense. Yeah, it's, it's not she's latching on to someone else, like uh, uh, the episode where the elder scientist is trying to figure out how to save their son, but he has to go back to do the ceremonial suicide thing, and she's trying yeah. to stop it. No, it's specifically about yeah. her. Right. Yeah, Half-Life, that's what it was. And, and the joke... Not the joke, but the, the twist here isn't that the aliens are a problem. It's that they know how to help us, but they don't. They can't communicate with us. And I'm not sure why, but every so often we have a, an episode with Troy. I think this is the third one where it makes you realize how difficult it is for all these aliens to communicate with each other. And it does it really well. Yeah, as, as Star Trek continued on, they did a really good job of slowly like drip-feeding in the idea of different cultures, different aliens, different species, having all these different languages and how miraculous it is that they can all communicate. Yeah. Um, you know, like people forget about it because they're always talking about um, Captain... Uh, I forget his name. In uh, Shock When the Walls Fell episode, right? And everyone talks yeah, about Picard about. And, uh, and the Captain. I want to call him Captain Damon, but that's not right. Uh, but the B-plot is Troy and Data working together to try to figure out their language. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually breaks it down specifically for the audience. Yeah. And now he's trying to communicate something which would be effortless for him, but which with our words that kind of mean like whatever we've decided they mean in this cycle of culture uh, to her. It does make me wonder if we did actually have actual telepaths, how they would be able to articulate sensing trauma in someone else. That does make me wonder about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, in Children of the Corn, <laughs> the high point for the <laughs> realistic treatment of telepathy, um, Christopher Reeve imagined a brick wall. So, you know, there is a certain, maybe there's some kind of guardedness to our thoughts that's intrinsic to how close they are to our consciousness. We'd like to think, or maybe like it's all just yeah. there, and they just read it like a, like a DVD drive. They just you just got to know what folder it's in. I kind of like how uh, Professor X handles it, where he just literally fights whoever's trying to get in. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, so like in the movies, where like his head shakes a lot, or no, or like when the, when you see what's going them. on inside his mind, where he just starts punching the guy. The, the, the actual, like, manifestation in his mind. In the or comics? if you go back to the cartoons, he, like, manifests armor and weapons and fights. Okay. So, it's an exciting way to visualize it. So Oh, yeah. 
I like they put her in her uniform, but I like that she actually has casual clothes now, as opposed to everyone else who just wears their uniforms 24-7. Yeah. So, which again, is better than silk pajamas. No touching hands <laughs> until marriage. I mean, none of this Imzadi stuff. Don't keep her on the hook, you cad. I mean, it's a complicated relationship, Miss Troy. None of us get it. So, it's hard to define. She was channeling some uh, soap opera work. That's what got yeah. into her. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people's... Our... Go ahead. And a lot of people's frustrations over the the amorphous nature of the Troy-Riker relationship. Yeah. So, just like, look, I want to ship this, or I don't want to ship it, but make it easier for me either way. So... <laughs> Yeah. Also, she is the only person to talk with the Karen telepathically. Like, okay, she's qualified, clearly, but is there not a second telepath? Yeah, you'd think that they'd have an entire <laughs> contingent, a whole whole group of diplomats from Beta Z helping out, not yeah. just her. Right. But it makes the plot go. So, I'll take it. It's a good human story. Yeah. <laughs> And it comes back to this nice conflict that she and she and her mom have about um, speaking with words. So instead of just doing everything telepathically. Yeah, Loxana definitely wants to go the quick and easy route, while Deanna, strangely enough, the, the, the daughter, wants to follow the, the more regimented route that will be more difficult but will likely yield greater results. Yeah. I find that interesting, that, that tonal reversal parents huh Ooh, they just get more impulsive as they get older i can relate to that yeah so this is the arboretum the you tried arboretum for the enterprise <laughs> d it's a huge ship and their arboretum is a uh a basically a sunroom yeah yeah it's right next to cetacean ops they gotta have a lot of room for cetacean ops i mean i guess so <laughs> I mean, they, they would have so to, yes, ops. but but it's so big. They they wanted to put a mall in this ship, like a, a no kidding mall, like promenade sized. Hmm. Yeah, because it's big. It's ridiculously. It's one of those things where like people engineer and they're like, "What are you going to fill it with?" Because um, mm -hmm. they think about the scale first aesthetically, and they're like, "Well, what do you put inside of it?" And it's um, when you actually think about it, you realize how mind boggling big it is. So. Yeah, it's it's a giant ship. Yeah. But even the you know, even we never even see the main shuttle bay. We just see like a little a secondary we see shuttle an auxiliary bay. shuttle bay. Yeah, something like that. And this arboretum is just it's a nice room, you know, if I had to work and live on a starship it'd be nice. Uh Well, I suspect that this is more like the public arboretum than they have one that's more for like botany botany sci botanists if i can actually say the word yeah oh there she goes so, yeah she's down so yeah our plot's thickening where it isn't just exhaustion yeah there's something more going on we gotta have our medical techno babble unfortunately yeah I, I think this is the one where we bring up the fact that they have different not just conscious and unconscious but more a meta-conscious you know, 
Yeah, like Beta Z psychology is super complicated. It's like, oh yeah, that that, that tracks actually. You think about that. So. so I'm just so tired of seeing Picard. It's been seven seasons. He gets way too much mileage. You need to be here. Go away, Jean Luc. I need you. Yeah, it's a personal. Well, she is a diplomat, and it's his ship, and he has to make sure she's okay. So I guess it's, yeah. it makes sense that he's there. He has, he has every right to be here, but also, go away. Don't try to horn in on this episode. You get enough scenes. You took a good episode with Jordy earlier this season. Go play your flute or something. Yeah. Do a callback to another episode. That's what you're best at. So. All things considered, I really like Patrick Stewart as Picard. Uh, you know, I used to. Um, so, yeah. Uh, my Cass. My Cass here. Um, where he's trying to Random. communicate something to us. They have random fruit there, including discolored peppers. That's interesting. <laughs> they could be vegetables. Uh, vegetables. Vegetableness is a construct. So, social construct. You're not kidding. <laughs> yeah. So in space, I'm sure it's even it's even harder to work with. So. Okay, I know you guys have like all kinds of telepathy. Do you have any like, what's the word? Change of clothes. It's a nice shirt. <laughs> I'd wear it a lot too, but you know, I'd mix it up. Yeah, his wardrobe is very one note. Yeah, it's a good note. There she goes. And yeah, yeah covering your ears ain't going to help. You know, it gives us an impression though. It's it's real serious. Okay, before you do that, could you ask, like, I don't want to be like that guy. I realize it's your, your culture, your stupid culture and your idiotic ways, but something called consent. We appreciate yeah, the Yeah, I mean, we had a but, whole episode yeah. about that. <laughs> Did we, though? Um, <laughs> the moral lesson of that episode, I think, was Picard going, sometimes it happens. I'm like, oof, buddy. Yeah. That's not our takeaway. It, it's just... But, they like, tried my... with that episode, and uh, they, they kind of missed the mark. You're being far kinder than I would be. But Mekes yeah, was trying probably. to do something important. He was trying to tell us some stuff. And when he's like, ah, oh, there's a dark place in her brain, I thought it was just, like, privacy, but apparently it's, like, real dark. Like, dark place dark. So, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. So. Come on, didn't you take an elective tele- telepathy course in med school, doctor? <laughs> I mean, she's supposed to understand more about beta uh, zoid physiology after all the shit that Excuse me, all of the stuff that Deanna's been through. Come on. I'll edit it out if I'm not too lazy. Okay. So, um, yeah. So it's like, oh, it's her, it's her super brain, her, her telepathic brain. It's mega bad. When, it, when that happens, it does sci-fi <laughs> totally. So we, we could be looking <laughs> at that kind of a scenario. Yeah, it's the sci-fi brain. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Tr- uh, Dr. Crush is like, oh, yeah, no, we can totally do a scan for that. That thing I didn't know about two minutes ago? Yeah, no, we, we can scan for that. We can, can probe it. Okay, thanks. I have 100% confidence in my doctor. Is there a Vulcan doctor we can talk to? Is Dr. Salar still around here, ma'am? Anyone? So, I have to g- wonder how effective those very, very stylish blankets are. I mean, they're, her feet's warm. I guess <laughs> she's under a heat lamp. What more do you want? Um, 
She's warmer than chicken nuggets right now. <laughs> but it's it's good. Like it's a good little bit though, where it's like she is unconscious, but she can still communicate with Deanna. It's a good little it's a good little telepathic moment here. I lament how little we learn about the beta Zeds. Yeah. Um in this series, right? We have seven seasons and we know almost nothing about Beta Z culture. A lot about Cleons, a lot about Dr. Nooney and Soon, uh, not anything about the, the history and culture of the Federation species of the Beta Zeds. Um, yeah. But, but, it's, it's just humans with sci-fi brain. That's all. <laughs> um, we get hints of it. And they, have, they, they, do, they do weddings naked. They do weddings naked. There we go. We know one thing. Um, that we that we don't actually execute on in Star Trek Nemesis, but whatever. Um, yeah, sure, that's half of Deanna's culture, but Riker would totally claim that's being half of his culture as well. Go in on that. So uh, he is a strapping lad, after all. <laughs> I'm just saying that that's Riker's way. Um, his. But but we do get a little more of it here. We do get a little bit with the metaconsciousness and with these little moments between Deanna and Loxana. We get just a little bit more of that that we needed so much more of. Use your brain. Use your brain, dude. You can explain talk, with your brain. Talk slow. Use very simple images. Come on. Try transmit it. that space juice. Just imagine you are a tourist and you are somewhere where they do not speak brain. <laughs> Can we give the man some crayons? Meet him halfway? Something? <laughs> Just... See, that's another thing. They don't have written language? I guess not. I mean, maybe... I mean, they, surely may... they have, like, a glyph-based system, like pictograms. Come on. Maybe they got telepathic rocks, and they put their thoughts in the telepathic rocks, and they would just read the rocks. Hey, crystals, that works. Or maybe, you know, you work with someone, you do an apprenticeship for a job, and, like, over in working with them for many years, you simply learn the talent by doing with someone telling you how to do it as needed. So, like, why do you need written culture? I think that you're onto something with the rocks there because Vulcans have catric arcs where they can store consciousnesses. I I saw that episode, too. Consciousnesses. Yeah, put a brain in a rock, yeah. So, um, yeah, so like maybe they do, like maybe they do have, you know, rocks or whatever. They can put their, their sort thoughts of like in. their version sure. of like a vinyl record. Yeah. Some old school brain grooves in the, the stones so that they can pass their play it backwards. It, if it play it backwards, what does it tell you? Uh, <laughs> I know. Does it totally sync up with Wizard of Oz? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay, what, now we get the, what are the buttons in their the, spaceship? The connection. Like? Yeah, the journey to the center of the mind. I wonder if, like, can their can their electronics read their minds? Do they have to push buttons on their starships? Because if That's they a very if, good question. Because if they can store their brain stuff into rocks, then surely that has to. Then surely, yeah, they can. They can create like an AI to run their ship, and they just tell it commands and it does stuff well i mean a book can't run a ship i'm just saying 
But uh, a there, book, no. There but if you, if you have a material that can that can uh, store information, but then retrieve it, like like how we use a computer, surely they have like a a telepathic version of that. Yeah, I don't, we have voice controls, but our rockets still work with switches and stuff. So maybe we're yeah. Well, going too far. You know, unless it's built by SpaceX, those those have like touch screens. <laughs> there's there's no buttons. There's no language on the buttons. However, right? You look at them, and there's like a little telepathic rock above each button. That tells you what the button does. Yeah. In and of course, we have to have uh, the, the fisheye lens inside the Enterprise corridors when we're in the mines because yeah. budgets are a thing. Yeah. I, I appreciate start, uh, Season 7 for doing more crazy mental stuff. Yeah. Um, the episode like right before this It made total sense was... for Data because Data's entire life was on the ship. Yeah. I mean, well, he's got a couple years of experience other places but yeah, i mean it's believable it's where he lives that's his immediate surroundings not so for yeah, the walks troy yeah which that's kind of what i meant by his whole life everything that he considers to be important in his life at that moment is on the ship yeah tin forward cellular peptide cake um it's interesting you know we're starting to see these defense mechanisms of her of her conscious mind or her subconscious mind she does a very good impression of Jean-Luc. That's a... <laughs> yeah. I always wonder, I guess they, they record Cap, they record Patrick Stewart first, and then... And then have then her have voice her over it. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be easier to do. And here um, we have a happy little woof. Yeah. Um, they put him in front of a green screen to do all this. No, Nobody was around the wolf when this is being filmed. So... Which is uh, reasonable. He seems small for a wolf. People keep telling me wolves are actually really big. They but, are. Um, they look they look relatively small when you don't have anything for scale. Yeah. But when they get up on their hind legs and like they put their paws on you, they are big. They're tall. They're yeah. long. They're long boys. <laughs> okay. Where are you so. going? Where are you going? I want to play. I want to play. <laughs> he looks kind of big there when he gets up on the door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get a this, little bit of a sense of it. I, I haven't seen this, uh, this episode since probably it originally aired. Maybe once since then, but I'd completely forgotten about this scene and it blindsided me. Yeah. So. Gotta love the classic uniform, the the Rathacon uh, uh, era. Gotta love yeah. that. Yeah. To get uh, really petty, uh, in, when you see this uniform in Star Trek The Next Generation, the collar, like there's no collar. Because... Yeah, it's missing the, the, the white puffy around the collar. Right, because the machine they got to do that was super old in 1982 when they made the uniforms. So they omit it. They omit it for all of our flashbacks to that era. But this guy has like a half of one. And I don't, I appreciate it, but it looks weird. So, because he's got like a, an undershirt that matches his division color. which I don't know what it is. I should have looked that up. But it's not command. It's not medical. Operations? Maybe. So like the... The undershirt colors for, you know, those uniforms were completely out of sync with anything from the original series of The Next Generation. So, oh, yeah. God, did Chekhov have one that color? Maybe Scotty did. But Scotty never wore that uniform, so you never saw it. No, he, he wore a, a vest. Right. And I, I gotta say, I, I love me a good waistcoat. Waistcoats are good. Yeah, no, it looked good. It's, it looked good on J- James Duhon, so... Marina Sirs is killing. If they'd given her more to do in this show, she'd have nailed it. 
It's a shame they didn't. So yeah, they didn't. There, there is a distinct lack of uh, like a unified vision of how the character should have been, and so they just kind of worked in a few little stereotypes here and there, and it just uh, yeah. yeah. I also like how she foreshadowed a little bit of our payoff for this this episode when she mentions not recognizing the toys. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions that we have about Beta Zeds as kids. Like, what do they remember? What do they tell their parents? What do their parents get from them? If what Luwaxana says about language is true, then maybe it's not a lot. You know, maybe it's just a bunch of, you know, jumbled stuff. Because you have a baby, your baby's thinking and feeling things, and you're a telepath, so like you have to get some of that. It should make it easier to be able to diagnose when they're feeling sick. Yeah. And we get another clue. Like, it's a good mystery episode. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Yelling at her a lot. Okay. Charging mom. Well, give it... It's a great psychological I, I, defense. Well, I expect that uh, Loxana didn't do a whole lot of yelling at Deanna when she was little, so seeing her yell and scream like that probably is really jarring. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. So she doesn't seem like, she doesn't seem like someone who gets real aggro about things. Yeah, that's very out of character for her. Yeah. Oof. That's a, it's a bad thing. Not because bad. I also play the... the I, was gonna say, I make her sad because I also play the character that you're going to meet in the in the final act. Yeah, but I mean, it's also a little tragic that, it, you know, this kid has to reminded, yeah. know that she makes Luoxana sad. Yeah, that's that's but, a lot of pressure. To, not pressure, but it's it's a bad impression to put on a kid because they will internalize that. I mean, yeah, but maybe, maybe these kids being fully telepathic are kind of used to that that complexity, you know? Maybe, maybe. So, it's um, it's hard to say. So, you know, again, there's so many interesting ideas about you know the this race of people. I forget, I forget what their name's called. Um, the Karen. The Karen, which okay. is really unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're, they're conducting themselves. Uh, they are not being Karens. They're not, not really. So. I do like that Data pulls up his analysis of his study of dream analysis from the previous episode to <laughs> suggest a non-literal interpretation. A lot of season seven, I know people say bad things about it. It shows a lot of growth on Data's part. Um, and I wish we could have gotten more. Yeah. I mean, I always would have wished for, you know, the data Jordy relationship being one of uh, outside the box thinking and then like lateral not lateral thinking, but like, into, you know, just regular, literal, point-by-point point thinking to kind of contrast them a little bit more. But... Yeah. Yeah. So... I did enjoy their dynamic. I, I would have enjoyed more of that. Yeah. Also, why was this a senior staff meeting? Is is the, is the Akaran mission that important? So, just talk with their doctor, for crying out loud. Whatever. They also have a really odd policy that... Even before someone is considered dead, they're allowed to go through all their personal things as though they have passed. Well, that's like, that's her daughter, though. 
Yeah. This is just regular intra-family snooping. What you going to do? Gotta wonder how many keepsakes the Waxana just carries with her, though. Yeah. Without Mr. Hong, no less. She didn't bring Mr. Hong with her this time. She didn't. Uh, Carl Struckian had a, a scheduling conflict, so he couldn't make it. <laughs> so, Wait, th- these were shipped in here, weren't they? Okay, yeah. Yeah, they were. That's right. So, okay, they were I, I completely forgot. She's like, I'm going to call Mr. Hall and have him ship things in here. So, was a close for stuff. But I, I guess it's reasonable for Luwaxana's clothing to be part of her keepsakes. So, good swatches she hasn't made into something socially transgressive yet. It's like, I love the pattern on this, but God. When, when can a thong really mess up a peace conference? I'll just have to wait. <laughs> so. I can just picture uh, a Betazoid like leaving a psychic imprint on an object behind to leave <laughs> it like a like a booby trap for other people, like it deals psychic damage. Yeah. Not not like not like actually harming them, but like a Yeah. Like when you see an image of like a shirtless old man, you're like, oh Yeah, I can see that. So I, um, just like a like Deanna's going through her mom's things and she finds something that has uh, an impression of her mom's memories of her dad and it's oh, okay that's 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 not age appropriate yeah. put that back yeah yeah I see so again don't know why Picard's <laughs> here Deanna Troy's other friends get out of here Jean Luc tired of seeing you so tired of this guy I uh like you could put Riker in here. You could put Jordy in here. They could be friends. They could talk to each other. Jordy's mom just died. They, I do find it odd that we don't see Riker interacting with her more. Yeah. According to their last interaction, Riker could hold her hand and Luxon would bolt up from that bed and sprint over to Frenchman. That'll definitely him. wake her up if that's the case. Yeah. So you know, it's, uh, what a Dr. And of course, Crusher, he just Dr. uses could be in here. Yeah, he let's just go through some uses his journals. clearance to start looking into someone's personal journal. Yeah, <laughs> and Doctor Crusher could have done this. She could. Data could have yeah. done this. Jordy could have done this. Have this methodical thing. Data could come in here with like, I wonder about the unique bond between parents and children. And I was like, yeah, whatever. So, um, but it's got to be Picard because I'm so sick of seeing Patrick Stewart. So. Is he the only guy that could have done this? Is he the only person who could check journals for Mr. giant Mott deleted? could have done this. Mott, Mott would have been great in this. He would have murdered it. Because he has opinions on things. He would have opinions. Like, she could have gone down to get her hair done, and he would have been like, so, you said that you looked through her journal? Well, yes. Yeah, so did you look through all of her journal? Like, back to the beginning? <laughs> yeah, Mott would have killed it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they're looking through it manually because nothing in the Federation is indexed for search. Not a single damn thing in a civilization. No, not at all. Why would you? So. All right. Also, she's back in her standard uniform as opposed to the casual uniform. Yeah. I mean, she was just chilling out earlier. Now, now she's yeah. on duty, I guess. Okay, now we got to have our telepathic router make the connection. Yes, he is. Do you think he runs on TCP IP? I doubt it. I doubt it. So, <laughs> I mean, there are a few printers I could use him on if he does. 
because I have. I wonder questions. if it comes with NordVPN. Uh, I mean, <laughs> prob- I mean, probably not, given his his appreciation for privacy. So it's like privacy. What's that? Never heard of it. That is a fair point. They don't use VPNs in their culture. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some decent green move. screening. Yeah, that's. I didn't even catch that that was green screen, but it is. Okay, all right, well done. Maybe the low Very light makes it easier. Yeah. yeah, that way you don't have the so, the light reflecting off of the chroma key. So. <laughs> The note says that um, Marita Sir just did her own stunt for this. I'm like, she jumped off a thing into a pillow. But okay. Right. <laughs> it's good. Hey, it may not have been a very soft pillow. It may have been a really hard hotel pillow. Yeah, it may have been. So. It's decent dream imagery, though. Nothing. It is. You know, uh, absurd enough without being Lynchian. Like, you follow what these are metaphors for. Patrick McGuhan. Um... So yeah, it's it's good. It's good. So it establishes tone without getting uh without losing us. And again, everything is everything's just a Star Trek thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, this this these events that we're about to see unfold are take place on the Enterprise's tiny arboretum. It's like, oh okay. I appreciate your budget. So. But we get to our we get to our conclusion. So Major Barrett's just like there's there's a lot of layers to what she's doing and I appreciate that. Yeah, so. her performance is very good. Yeah. yeah. It kinda of sucks we can't do more with Deanna in this moment, but she's trying to be probing and serious kind of at the same time and that's it's all right it's not the hardest needle to thread though yeah i will confess that every time i watch this episode and we go through this whole sequence it does choke me up oh yeah because majel just does such a fantastic job yeah and like it's it's a horrible thing to happen and they lead up to it with a lot of tension you know, they don't oversell it. They don't undersell it. Uh, and they're very ex- careful to, in how they convey it. Because if you show what happened, it can be a little too gruesome. Yeah. So. I um, I maintain that Deanna is, is a trans person. We've had an earlier episode where, um, where she's had an exact clone where she had a kid who di- who died, and that kid was a boy. And I'm like, oh, well, now this one's, they, they specifically refer to her as a girl here. But I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe telepaths can just communicate that a little earlier. But, because this is like all we see of Deanna's youth, ever. Yeah. But, and of course she But there is precedent, the... there is precedent that was later set in Star Trek that makes uh, sex reassignment surgery or sex affirming surgery easy, fast, effective, and apparently... It makes it functional. So that is entirely possible. That episode's sole virtue is perhaps making that canonical. But yeah. Yes. So we'll get to that in Deep Space Nine. But yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I choose to take away from that. <laughs> yeah. Cutting between these two 
these two environments is just great. Again, it's just superbly it's put It's a very together. effective way to show, yeah. So, again, it's the right amount of, of like the emotional ramping and then the actual event. And it's all done with, you could do this so much more ham-handedly. So... The, there's a little bit of focus, and I think she, is she wet now? It's just an interesting way that you know she approaches the memory, and it feels like a memory. It feels like something that yeah um, happens at one time and another, and her guilt is realistic. Um, and I'm glad they don't call back to the time that Deanna had a kid, and that kid died and went away. You know, like yeah, that, that, this isn't is yeah. the time to nod to canon. This is just, we're in this moment right now. Because, um, you know, Deanna had an older sister and she died in an accident. She drowned. Um, and that Loxana has been suppressing this for decades. And Hedril just reminded her of it. So, and it kind of, it's a good, a good reveal of the mystery too. And that we kind of get how everything fits together now. I kind of wish we had gotten more between Deanna and Loxana after this to show how their relationship grew stronger because of this. Yeah, we, we get a we get a denouement scene here in a little bit. But, um, you know, Loxana asked a really good question of like, how can she, how can she go on after something like this? And that's a fair question. Because um, it's a lot to deal with, you know. Because it's, it's a lot. As a parent, that's one of the worst things to happen. But you have to, it is. You know, you get up the next morning. And what are you going to do about it? So, oh, there we go. That's that's actual Castro. So, um, I like in the flashback, Loxana calls Baby D and a little one. Yeah, it's a good, good callback because she still calls her that. So. And notice the color of the girl's hair. Maybe that little lock of hair that <laughs> Deanna found wasn't hers. Maybe it was Kestra's. Might have been, yeah. So, it's good. It's good to have closure. So. Yeah, you know, I like a lot of Waxana episodes, even even the earlier ones that are more bombastic, but and occasionally problematic. <laughs> always problematic. Um, yeah, but you know, like like there's a lot of depth to that character. She's more than that. I think that's what you can do with the characters. You can kind of give the the broad strokes of them, and then you can give them the the leavening and the depth, and the texture that kind of a real person has. Which doesn't require a tragic death, but you can you can you can play it that way. So, but yet, like like I think you said this earlier, you really do have to thread that needle if you're going to use that particular tool because it can go very very wrong on you. 
Yeah. And I think I think yeah. they struck a, a proper tone with this. Yeah, they did. They really nailed it. Because um, it tells a human story in the midst of a lot of, of, of sci-fi stuff and a lot of sci-fi tools to kind of tell it and to intrigue us. Yeah, it's just the window dressing. It's all about a mother's trauma. Yeah. Um, But you wanted this episode, I think, specifically because you wanted to talk about Star Trek Picard. Yeah. uh, Unlike a lot of folks I know, I actually really enjoyed Star Trek Picard, especially the episode where they go back to, uh, to see Deanna and Riker 20 years after the end of Nemesis, where they have both retired from Starfleet, they've had a couple kids, and one of them has passed away. And I think that uh, Marina, having been brought back to have this particular story told, she probably let this episode, her her character's past, inform how she approached that episode. Yeah. And it's, it's a really... For me, it's a really lovely parallel showing that she's going through a lot of the same things that her mother went through. And seeing her mother go through it, it informs how Deanna, not Marina, but Deanna, would deal with her own uh, pain and trauma losing her son. Yeah. Especially since it it wasn't the sudden shock and loss. It was the gradual uh, pace of uh, dying slowly of a, a degenerative illness. Yeah, a preventable one. Um, yeah, in, in episode seven of Picard, I think it's called Nepenthe, was a yeah. good one. It was nice to see those characters again, not just for the nostalgia, but for uh, not not just to see where they've been, but because it, it was a tonal shift in the episodes. Um, and you had a lot of them kind of working through these things and kind of counseling Picard. So yeah. And I like how Deanna, at that point, she is a little more no-nonsense. She just kind of cuts straight to the matter and kind of doesn't give a crap about, oh, you're hurting? Let's just get right to the heart of the matter, because I'm tired of you dancing around the, the issue. Yeah. And, you know, they named their impossibly blonde child after uh, Kester here, which is a nice touch. So, so yeah. it's a low-key callback. Call, it's a low-key callback. So. Um, so final thoughts, Dark Page. It's not the best episode of Star Trek TNG, but it's, in mm. my opinion, it's one of a one of the good ones. I, I would put yeah. it above average. I love uh, Major Barrett's performance. Uh, I love the portrayal of the the telepathic aliens, the Karen. I I forgive the, the budgetary limitations when they're doing the the in mind sequences, but it's. Yeah. It takes the window dressing of Star Trek and uses it to tell, like you like you called it, a very human story. And that, in my opinion, is when Star Trek can really shine. It's definitely an underrated episode. Probably one of the best of season seven. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good one. Next week, I'm going to be watching Attached. And until then, remember Rand. I'll make this short because... Everyone hates credits. Star Trek is property of CBS Television Studios. We are watching Star Trek The Next Generation on Netflix. We are talking on Discord. And we are recording and editing in Audacity, the free audio editor and recorder. The Beige and the Bold is hosted on Anchor and can be found on most podcasting platforms. Thank you to Patreon's Tracker by Moonlight and Miss Jess for their contribution. I'm not always as focused on the Beige and the Bold as I should be, but they remind me that as long as this is important to even a few people, it's worth doing. Thank you all, and remember Red.